President Trump is recovering from the coronavirus, and so is America. Together, we rose to meet the challenge, protecting our seniors, getting them life-saving drugs in record time, sparing no expense. President Trump tackled the virus head-on, as leaders should. I just want to say that I'm just so proud of the way this president has handled the coronavirus. We'll get through this together. We'll live carefully, but not afraid. This was the largest audience to ever witness an inauguration, period. I believe that the president has learned from this case. It's going to disappear. One day it's like a miracle. It will disappear. Lindsey Graham said, let's let the next president make that nomination. And you could use my words against me. As far as the ballots are concerned, it's a disaster. Will you shut up, man? Welcome to Facts and Friends. Welcome to Facts and Friends. My name is Tino, and with me as always is my friend, co-host, and based on that ad at the top of the show, a big supporter of the Trump administration's COVID response, Judson. (laughs) Never go full Pence, ladies and gentlemen. Never, ever go full Uh, Pence. That was your mistake. Yep. For those of you who didn't catch the story, uh, they used in that exact ad, almost that exact ad that you heard at the top, they used Fauci's voice out of context to present as a sort of testimonial for Trump, which he had by no means said. So I decided, why not replace Fauci with Judson and uh, do the same thing? Yay. (laughs) (laughs) So Judson, did you bring lube for this week's uh, episode? Did I bring what? Lube. Lube? Yeah. Why did I... Why, why, why would I need lube? Because we're talking about the Supreme Court and like it or not, we're getting we're fucked. we're about to get fucked, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Boofed. Boofed. <laughs> I thought that meant flatulence. Uh, no. Oh, okay. That's not what it meant. Nor, nor is it a drinking game. Also, really important, we are on alert to bring our audience breaking news. Today is the day, my friend. It's Saturday, October 17th. It's about, what, 10 o'clock at night? About that. So any minute now, and very likely, while we're recording, JFK Jr. is going to make an appearance where he's announced as Trump's new pick for VP in 2020. I'm, I'm sorry, JFK Jr.? Yes. The the dead guy. Oh, he's not dead. But, but he's dead. Well, according to QAnon, he's not dead, and today is the day <laughs> that he's supposed to reveal that and announce. So there's only two more hours, less than two more hours left in today, so... Just keep monitoring Twitter. Keep monitoring your news feeds. I got feeds. it. I'm watching Twitter. The minute it happens, we will break into the show with breaking news. Okay. <laughs> but a few things But a few things to cover this week before we jump into the decades-long nightmare that will be the Supreme Court. Let's get right to it. First, this happened. I think the next president needs to be a lot quieter, but send a signal that we're prepared to act in the national security interests of this country to get back in the business of creating a more peaceful world. Please clap. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oops. How'd that get in there? I remember that. That was Jeb Bush. That was low energy Jeb. Yeah, but you no, know, we had a similar moment, and this was it. Suburban women, will you please like me? <laughs> ah, Trump. That's <laughs> sort of a begging suburban women to like him. So cringe. Quick answer, Trump. No. No. And one other interesting thing about that speech that he gave is he said this, and I want you to help me kind of unpack it a little bit. Sure. I think that the suburban woman, and I used to say suburban housewife, I used to take heat, but I said, does anybody care? Do you care if I say suburban? No, they're all going, no. Again, the only one cares is them. Trump said suburban housewife, but I didn't say it. 
because I don't. You learn very quickly. You learn well, very quickly. <laughs> okay, so here's what I heard. I used to say suburban housewives. Yeah. They jumped on me about it. I never said it. <laughs> but now I say suburban women. But then he said, but, but I they don't, don't mind housewives. But I don't say it. Right. But they don't mind it if I call them housewives. But he doesn't say it. But he doesn't say it. But he used to say it. But he just said it. <laughs> Oh, man, this is going to be a confusing show because his, his brain is bad. It's all there is to it. <laughs> his brain is bad. All right. Well, the main meat of our open here is to talk about the dueling town halls that happened just a few days ago. <sighs> Fuck you, NBC. Sorry, I had to get that out. Judson, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Accurate. Depending on which channel you watched. <laughs> we had no presidential debate this week. Sorry, we had no head-to-head presidential debate featuring both candidates on the same stage, because there might have been some debating. But we kind of did, yeah. Each candidate instead participated in his own town hall with voters. These town halls were held at the same time, and as you might expect, both were about equal in terms of content, substance, integrity, honesty, all-around presidential I feel feel like you don't understand my expectations at all. (laughs) Like, maybe we've never discussed it, Tina, but I had... Let's say different expectations. Okay. Well, so some people just don't want to hear about this. And for those of you, we have the too long, didn't listen version. And then you can just skip to the next segment. Sounds good. Okay. So first we have the uh, Biden uh, town hall. Live from the National Constitution Center in Philadelphia, this special edition of 2020, the Vice President and the People. Now reporting, Chief Anchor George Stephanopoulos. Wow, that's so calming. So soothing, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and we also have the Trump one on NBC. Right. This is an NBC News special presentation of today with Savannah Guthrie. <laughs> Tonight, Donald Trump in the arena. His first primetime network appearance since falling ill with coronavirus. I'm feeling great. I don't know about you. How is everyone feeling? <laughs> Does that just about capture the the, the two events, uh, the essence of them at least? I think that covers it. I thought it was machine guns in the second clip for a second. There were. No, there were. Oh, it was machine guns too. Okay, I thought it was just the death metal drummer. Okay, there was. A, oh, there was some death metal. There were machine guns. There was screaming. That was a layered. <laughs> I see. Okay, um, yeah. I worked on that a little bit. <laughs> uh, well done. Okay, so before we dive into the content of each, because that's going to take up the bulk of this, um, there was some drama leading up to the events. Yeah, fuck you, NBC. <laughs> All right, well, you want to explain that a little bit? Well, the Biden town hall was planned, right? and then NBC came in and decided to schedule a- another town hall at the exact same time, when the president was too scared to do a virtual debate with Joe Biden in the first place. Right. So he basically got a free hour on television that he didn't have to pay any- anything for, which is good because he doesn't have any money. Uh, and NBC gave it to him. They did. At the exact same time, trying to draw viewership away from Joe Biden. Right. There were calls for him for a boycott of NBC. There was an attempt by TikTok users, like young TikTok users, to to boost ABC's ratings by like streaming it on all their devices. And I sure that's not that's not how ratings work, kids. Well, well, it won't boost the ratings, but it will boost the streams. There are places that capture the streams as well. So that 
doesn't not not, not reliably, help, not but it reliably. doesn't help the ratings. You're right. Right. It's not how ratings work. The the ratings did come in. Um, now NBC had uh, three networks to broadcast this on, and and right. ABC only had one. And right. what were the numbers? I know Joe Biden won by like. I don't know what the final number was, but it was between 500,000 and a million people watching. Yeah, it was significant. He won despite only being on one network. Right. And I didn't see any Trump reaction to that, which is somewhat of course, odd to me. He, how, how could he acknowledge the fact that he lost? The, the one thing he thought he'd win that night was the ratings battle. <laughs> and he didn't even win that. I just figured he'd, he'd just call it a lie. <laughs> yeah, fake news. I had more people. This was the largest town hall viewership in history, period. Right. So I had decided not to watch either one. Sure. At least live. Right. Understanding that I'd have to go back and listen. But <laughs> Twitter, I did have Twitter up and it was... Twitter encapsulated it all, I think, It well. was exploding. And then finally, I would say like 35 plus minutes in, I'm like, I have to watch. And guess, <laughs> guess which one I, I chose? You chose Trump. Of course I did. Because <laughs> I want to see the train wreck. Frankly, that's and, why most people are watching it anymore, I think. And as you're going to hear, I mean, they're not they're not watching for like a calm, measured response on policy issues. Right. They're watching he's incapable of that. No, he is definitely incapable of that. Um, so yeah. we're going to try to we're going to try to take a look at both of them now. But first, I just want to get you know someone that I know you respect and is a bit of a role model of yours. I want to get this person's oh, take no. on the Trump town hall. Moments ago, NBC fake news did oh, their best to just you. ambush President Trump at tonight's town hall. Uh, he pretty much debated Savannah Guthrie and what we all witnessed was not journalism. It was a political debate with the morning host of the Today Show serving as, well, Joe Biden's surrogate and it didn't really work out well for her. It's <laughs> not an ambush if you sketch Schedule it. You schedule How many it. times do I have to go through this? The ambushes are surprises. You agreed to attend a town hall right. where people will ask you questions. That's and how that works. Obviously, he you knew dumb it. motherfucker. Okay. Sorry, I'm done. Okay. But other than that, do you have any strong feelings about? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it's obs- absolute bullshit anyway. It is. I got three asked. Tough questions. Followed up. She did. That does not make her Joe Biden's surrogate. That makes her a good moderator slash interviewer. I would argue that George Stephanopoulos also asked tough questions and also followed up. Having now right. watched yeah, both. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, and that, but that there, was a, there was a. Do you have any coverage uh, or any response about Joe Biden as well from the Fox News group? No, but I can encapsulate it for basically, you. Because basically all they could come up with as criticisms was that Joe Biden got asked softballs. He did not. Which means, well, even if it's true, it means Joe Biden had a good performance. Because all they can criticize is that our guy got tougher questions than your guy. That's why our guy looked like an idiot and your guy looked okay. Well, and Trump also turns things adversarial. So his tough questions he reacts to and gets pissed off about and yells and, and whines and cries. And Biden just right. tries, to an- tries to answer them or duck them, depending. Um, well, even when so- he answers them, they're not really answers. Again, he doesn't have any ability to answer on policy. Right. And I mean, and, and just further proof that Trump knew what he was getting into, he tweeted before the debate calling NBC fake news. Call, yeah, calling them fake news. So, like, he, right. he, he knew that he was going into a perhaps like unfriendly 
not Fox. Any, he was not like, appearing well, look, on Fox. Anyone who legitimately looks at his record and asks some questions is going to appear hostile because his record is terrible. There used to be some debate over the worst president in U.S. history. No, there isn't anymore. After this administration is over, that debate will be settled. If No one if will this- have to wonder anymore if, I don't know, I can't remember who the, who the worst ones were at this point. I'm, I'm blanking. It doesn't matter. Hoover's up there. I mean, there's an argument to be made for Wilson and... Yeah. Anyway. Um, George W. Bush. <laughs> um, so let's let's get into this. Let's get into some of the questions and answers. I want to try to give time to both. So let's start with uh, Trump's taxes. On the subject Thank of you. taxes, as you know, the New York Times has obtained, it says, years of your tax returns, among other things. It says that you have debts of approximately $421 million that you have personally yeah. guaranteed and that will come due in the next four years. The question is, on behalf of voters, who do you owe $421 million okay, to? Is, what they did is illegal, number one. Also, the numbers are all wrong with the numbers they released. Okay. So... Uh, it's not illegal. And why don't you just release the actual figures then? And we can determine for ourselves if you actually owe $421 million to someone. That's a good question. And Savannah Guthrie followed up. Do I hear you right? It sounds like you're saying $400 million isn't that much. But are you, are you, are you confirming that? Yes, you do owe some $400 million. What I'm saying is that it's a tiny percentage of my net worth. That's all right. (laughs) It's also not accurate. We don't have any idea right. what his net worth is because he's hidden all those figures. She keeps pressing. Any foreign bank, any foreign entity? Not that I know of, but I will probably, because it's so easy to solve, and if you'd like to do, I will let you know who who I owe whatever small amount of money you're left. Well, here's the thing. You could clear this up tonight by just releasing your tax returns yourself. I mean, I, that's well, what I'm I understand. I think people are just wondering. As you know, you're the only... It turned out that I am yes, underwrote. If they IRS actually... Excuse me. No, no. But you... The IRS says that doesn't stop but you from releasing. <laughs> so she is not letting it go. No, but, and as she shouldn't. And he doesn't answer the questions. Of course not. That just kind of sets the bar for how contentious it was. And I think how great a job she did as a journalist. I mean, one of the things that was so frustrating about the first presidential debate is that there were no follow-ups. There was no holding to account. Right. He could just say whatever bullshit he wanted to. And if Biden didn't call him on it, then it just sat there. Right. One of your main complaints about Biden's performance then. So let's, um, let's check in on the, uh, on the Biden town hall. Okay. Okay, back to Trump. Um, <laughs> I feel I feel good. I feel so good. My blood pressure dropped uh, 20, 30 points right there. <laughs> well, th- that's not going to last. Um, <laughs> anyway, back to the shit show. <laughs> White supremacy came up, Judson. Like, was it like advising him? Like active? Did he have like white supremacy on an earpiece? <laughs> You were asked point blank to denounce white supremacy. In the moment, you didn't. You asked some follow-up questions. Who specifically? A couple of days later, on a different show, oh, you, you, you denounced white supremacy. No, My question to you is, you've done this to why me does everybody, it seem like... I denounce white supremacy, okay? Okay, do you think he's going to do it, by the way? By the way, he didn't just do it there. He said, I denounced past. Right. He has not yet... I'm not actively doing it. I did it in the past. Right. Right. He has not yet, in this particular town hall, denounced white supremacy. Right. Do you think he's going to? Oh, absolutely not. He'll hedge whatever he says. Okay, let's see. Okay. You did I've two days later. white supremacy for years. But- again, that was past tense. Again, past tense, and he hasn't. 
Let's go. You always do it. You always start off with a question. You didn't ask Joe Biden whether or not he denounces Antifa. There's the pivot to Antifa. I watched him on the same basic show with Lester Holt. And he was asking questions like Biden was a child. Well, well so this so is a little bit ready? of a dodge. Are you, wait, are you listening? I denounce white supremacy. Okay. What's your next question? Whoa. Oh, I was wrong. He did. Wow. Okay. Well, case closed. I don't think it's closed. <laughs> it, it feels sometimes you're hesitant to do so. Like you hesitant. wait a Here we go again. Every time, in fact, my people came, I'm sure they'll ask you the white supremacy question. Wait, 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 wait. Doesn't that speak to he knew he was going to get these hard questions? And, and yet he still it, was ambushed? And, yeah, right. So, okay. Again, if it's a planned event, it's not an ambush. Right. Both sides plan it. It can't be an ambush. And frankly, you want to know something? I denounce Antifa and I denounce these people on the left that are burning down our cities that are run by Democrats who don't know what. Name a city that got burned down. Name one city. There aren't any. That got burned down. He can't just let it rest that he condemns white supremacy. I told you he'd hedge. He has to hedge. He has, yeah, he has to lump them in with Antifa and other people that don't exist, really. I mean, there are obviously, you know, people who are anti-fascists. Sure. There are people who claim to be Antifa, but there's no organization. There's no KKK of the Antifa. <sighs> right. It's a bullshit false equivalence. Yes. Don't All right. While we're doing. denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> While you're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. Sorry, sorry Vice President Biden. Uh, you're going to have to wait because uh, this is a little too juicy now to pick right up. Do you think he's going to denounce QAnon? Oh, definitely not. Okay. But if he did, it would be part of the plan. Right. Okay. By the way, any update on the JFK Jr. thing? Let's see. if uh, I'm checking Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> On to QAnon. While we're denouncing, let me ask you about QAnon. It is this theory that uh, Democrats are a satanic pedophile ring and that you are the savior of that. Now, can you just once and for all state that that is completely not true so and disavow QAnon yeah. in its entirety? I know nothing about QAnon. I just told I you. I know very little. You told me, but what she you tell me doesn't yeah, necessarily make it fact. I hate to say that. I know nothing about it. I do know they are very much against uh, pedophilia. They fight it very hard, but I know nothing they about it. They believe it, it is if a satanic like call run by the deep state. The subject, I'll tell you what I do know about. I know about Antifa. And oh, <laughs> and we're back to Antifa. Um, so he says he doesn't know anything about it, and then he mentions something that he knows about it. I'm going to tell you right now. Okay, I I can guarantee you that there are more actual pedophiles who subscribe to QAnon than are in the DNC. Okay. That's how, how, that's a thing we will find out as eventually. You're going to see people arrested for like child pornography and things like that and they're going to end up being QAnon supporters, not members of the DNC. Market here folks. <laughs> Episode 3 of the Facts and Friends podcast <laughs> about 20 some minutes in, Judson has made a call. <laughs> All right, let's uh let's see how he uh, closes out on QAnon. 
Republican Senator Ben Sass said, quote, QAnon is nuts and real leaders call conspiracy theories conspiracy theories. He may be Why right. not just say it's crazy and not true? He may be right. I just don't know about QAnon. You do know. I don't know. No, I don't know. I don't know. You Let me ask me you another thing. It. Let's waste the whole show. You've retweeted them. Yeah. Okay. So you retweeted their, their <laughs> nonsense. He, he absolutely knows. But we're going to get to uh, the difference between tweets and retweets. Just this week, you retweeted to your 87 million followers a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have SEAL Team Six, the Navy SEAL Team Six, killed to cover up the the fake death of Bin Laden. Now, why would you send a lie <laughs> like that to your followers? You I retweeted. Think. That was a retweet. That was a an opinion of somebody. But, and that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. I don't, themselves. That. You're I don't the take president. a position. You're not like someone's crazy uncle who no, can no, just retweet no, no. whatever. That was a retweet. <laughs> wow. I think the best response to that was Mary Trump, who he happens to be the crazy uncle of, being like, actually. <laughs> so he is, in fact, someone's crazy uncle. Por que no los dos? <laughs> but um like retweeting if i retweet someone yeah it is an endorsement of what they've said everyone puts in their twitter bio that retweets are not endorsements except me because i wrote that retweets are endorsements because they fucking are by definition that's what they are if you retweet something that's not just like oh this is interesting let's discuss that's like I agree with this. Here you go. You should read this. Right. Unless you put a comment on there that's like the exact opposite of that. This is something you are endorsing. So how about Biden talking about race? Oh, that'll go well. Besides, you ain't black. What do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? So this is an African-American young man. That's a good question. Asking him a good question with also a dig in it, right? Because Joe Biden famously called out black people who wouldn't vote for him by saying you ain't black well he famously jokingly said it but yeah he did it oh my god stop apologizing for him i'm not apologizing for it it was clearly in context not meant to be you aren't really black i don't care what it was meant (laughs) it was uh it shouldn't have been said and it was in poor taste and i'm sure if he had it to do over he wouldn't say it I agree. Anyway, let's hear his answer. Well, I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to right to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. It doesn't really answer the question. He goes on. He speaks at, at some length and, and still doesn't answer the question. And George Stephanopoulos asked the young man at the end if um, if he got all the information he needed to make a decision he said he had. And I thought the implication there was that he was dissatisfied with the answer. But one thing I want to point out is that Joe Biden did say this, and I don't have the audio of it, but he said, uh, he said if it isn't, please stay after. I'm happy to keep talking to you about this. And he did. And he did. Not specifically to that person, perhaps, but he stayed after. Right. Trump and was I, out in 60 minutes. I'm not easily impressed by uh, by Vice President Biden, but that, that impressed me. I thought it was a, a strong moment. Yeah. So uh, just to wrap up the, the Biden town hall, he did talk about court packing. He committed to giving an answer before the election as to whether or not he was going to court pack. Sure. We're going to talk about court packing. I was just saying, I really wish he would just give the answer that, you know, it really depends on what the Republicans do. That's he has given that answer. Has he? OK, he gave Good. it and he gave it at the town hall. Because then I wish they stopped asking him the fucking question. He's like, it really just, hey, it depends if they ran ACB through. We'll have some decisions to make on how to proceed. Right. Uh, he talked about the Green New Deal. He repeatedly called it the new green deal 
um, which annoys me. <laughs> and he got it wrong too. So he said he doesn't agree with it. And he said it's yeah. not. It's not. He said it's not a framework of his. Except that, that, that his its framework web- is not part of his plan, except, and it is. Except that his website specifically says the opposite. That it right. is a framework. Yeah, that's a mistake. I mean, or a hedge, a quibble. You could you, semantics, maybe. I don't know. Step right up, one and all. Get another long look at Judson's amazing Joe Biden apology tour. <laughs> oh, fuck off, Tito. <laughs> well deserved, sir. Well deserved. So finally, Biden was also asked what he would do if he if he were to lose. And I thought he had an interesting answer to the question. Okay. Mr. Vice President, if you lose, what will that say to you about where America is today? Well, it could say that I'm a lousy candidate and I didn't do a good job. Um, but I think, uh, I, I hope <laughs> that it doesn't say that we are as racially, ethnically, and religiously at odds with one another as it appears. Okay. Good answer. That is a good answer. I only took one thing away from that, though. Well, it could say that I'm a lousy candidate. <laughs> you could, and I do, and you are. <laughs> but I'm voting for you, and I hope everyone else does, too. <laughs> oh, my God. How could I forget your friend and mine, Paulette Dale? Pa- Paul- Paulette? Yeah. This happened. We have Paulette Dale. She leans slightly to Biden. She voted for Clinton in 2016. She's registered as a Republican. Paulette, what's your question? Thank you. Good evening, Mr. President. Thank you, Thank you very much. I have to say, you have a great smile. Oh. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. So, <laughs> he does. You're so handsome when you smile. Okay. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Stanley. Funny thing about Paulette Dale, after the town hall, she said, I wish you would smile more and talk less. I think the man has a nice smile. However, I'm not a fan. (laughs) And she's voting for Biden. (laughs) Go pour yourself a stiff drink, Judson, because after this little break. Yep. On it. We are going to get into the Supreme Court. Oh, God. The Facts and Friends podcast is brought to you by people like you. More and more, corporate America is taking over the podcast scene. Your support helps stave off a complete takeover. Please take a moment to share the podcast with your friends and followers via social media or word of mouth. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for helping out. It really does mean a lot. I, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. That I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States. A system of justice will be the richer for diversity of background and experience. It will be the poorer in terms of appreciating what is at stake and the impact of its judgments if all of its members are cast from the same mold. I hope that all of you will spend part of your time thinking about people who need your help and offering it. If you could change one thing about the Constitution, 
what would it be and why? I would add an equal rights amendment to the Constitution. <sighs> Boy, I miss that woman. Uh, so we, yeah, we miss you, Ruth. Yeah. Okay, well... Yeah, it's a little you really, heavy you really, of a you really bummed me out, man. So. You really fucking bummed me out right there. We just went through oh, wow. the goddamn debate, the town hall slash debates, right? And got me all riled up, and then you bring it, he's crashing down to reality. Now that, yeah. Now that we're all, now that everyone's crying, let's shift gears abruptly. We're we're gonna talk about the Supreme Court now. On the old, hope you have a game or something planned for this, because otherwise (laughs) this is gonna be this is gonna be just a fucking depressing episode. Uh, yeah. Well, uh, (laughs) I I don't have a game. God damn it, Tino. What I do have is when we talked about the Supreme Court in the old show, we had a uh, it was it was a special segment. We did, yeah. But I wanted to, by way of flashback, let our new listeners in on how we arrived at this particular segment. So I'm just going to play a little flashback from the old show. Sure. I had a bit of a dilemma in introducing this week's feature. Okay. How so? Well, it's all about the Supreme Court. Sure. But so we have a drop for that. A very tasteful drop, I would say. No, no, we don't have one of those. (laughs) I don't think we have one of those for anything. So recently we did a riff on the Supreme Court podcast called first mondays yes and here's the intro they go with welcome back everybody to first mondays the classic supreme court podcast we all know and love so they called their supreme court podcast first mondays And out of an abundance of reverence and and, and class, we decided to introduce our Supreme Court segments this way. Welcome to See You Next Tuesdays, the NPR (laughs) podcast, SCOTUS Report. You neither know nor love. Yep, that's us. Tasteful, tasteful. As, as as anything else we do on here. Right. That was us. <laughs> One thing to note from uh, from that clip is that it really does sound a lot like the same show. I, I was going to say, like, very self aware of who we were at the time. I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> so there you have it. This is uh, see you next Tuesday. See you and next Tuesday. That's right. We don't have to spell it out for them, right? <laughs> I was actually... Well, let me play it, because I, I had to update it. Oh, okay. Because we're not called the NPR podcast anymore. Sure. Welcome to See You Next Tuesdays, the Facts and Friends Supreme Court podcast you neither know nor love. <laughs> All right. There we <laughs> a lot, are. A lot more professional that time. Right, yeah. A little, you got your old radio uh, voice on. <laughs> so one thing I noted, though, as I was getting that whole setup ready, is it maybe a little inappropriate in light of this particular nominee? <laughs> or more appropriate, perhaps. <laughs> we'll leave that up to you. Yeah, I think I think that's up to each individual listener. We used to have a jar in the old show where you had to put... <laughs> A dollar in it anytime you use the C word. Right. We have not yet used it on this show, and I don't think we're planning on starting, but it could happen. It was a lot easier when the ladies were here to to do that for us. It was. If we're going to talk about the Supreme Court, Judson, I think we have to start with how we got here, right? Yeah, I think we should. 
okay. decades of mismanagement and and partisan. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it goes way back. Yeah. But most recently in 2016, as we all know, Antonin Scalia died. As we all know, and perhaps perhaps privately celebrated. I will give my Amy Coney Barrett answer to that question. <laughs> And that I can't answer it, um, <laughs> but it's absolutely, but absolutely, you should be afraid of what you're afraid of. <laughs> um, yeah, in 2016, Anthony Scalia died, and Barack Obama was president. It was, uh, I believe, February, and he had about roughly nine months left in his presidency. Nearly a year, for those of you who take math. And this happened, Mr. President. The next justice could fundamentally alter the direction of the Supreme Court and have a profound impact on our country. So, of course, of course, the American people should have a say in the court's direction. Of, of course. Yeah, and we of did course. in 2012 when we elected Barack Obama to a second term. Correct. Giving him the authority and responsibility to name all justices over that four-year period. Right. That seat was stolen. Absolutely outright stolen there is no justification for it the only justification is pure partisan hackery right yeah. as i have told my father on numerous occasions that seat on the court was stolen and you know before we get into any conversation about court packing i don't know how much time we'll have to get into that that is just like court packing that it is, is court packing right it's not it simply is. adding seats to a court it's skewing the seats on the court in your favor that's that's what right. court packing is it doesn't you don't have to add seats to do that Right. You can do it by eliminating seat. And McConnell made no like attempts to pretend that that's not what he was doing. I mean, he said this. Well, I mean, uh, he he did make attempts to pretend, but not in front of his donors. He said this at a right. <laughs> One of my proudest moments is when I looked at Barack Obama in the eye and I said, "Mr. President, you will not fill this Supreme Court vacancy." Take a step back and think about the fact that that is one of Mitch McConnell's proudest moments yeah, it's one of his proudest does he moments. have kids i don't know if he has kids i don't know i i have three all of my proudest moments involve them they do mm. not involve telling barack obama he can't have a supreme court nominee now maybe that makes me a sad little man but i think it makes him a sad little man what about your burger king wedding <laughs> i didn't get married at a burger king <laughs> that's a lie also also not my proudest moment <laughs> and then you know more recently mcconnell said this I was, I was shocked that uh, former President Obama left so many vacancies and didn't try to fill those positions. I'll so, tell you why. I'll tell you why. I was in charge of the uh, of what we did the last two years of the Obama administration. I give, I, and I will give you full credit for that. And by the way, take a bow. All right, that was a good life. Um, God, his laugh is so chilling. It's it, you. You people are lucky that we are simply an audio podcast and we cannot show you the video because. It is terrifying. It is nightmare yeah. fuel. Yeah, no, it really is. I mean, Halloween is coming up, so maybe it's appropriate. He needs to get a. He needs to get his human skin suit refitted in time for <laughs> Halloween because it it was not fitting that day. He came right out and confessed, and he's proud, and he laughs. We did this on purpose. We knew what we were doing, and we'll keep doing it. Yep. So that's kind of how we got here. And I want to be really clear, though. I don't support rushing to nominate and seat Amy Coney Barrett. I also don't think this particular instance is one of them stealing a seat. No, I would agree. I, yeah. I, I think they are not doing due diligence. They are rushing this to blatantly get this in before Trump is no longer president. Right. Absolutely. And they're doing that purely for partisan reasons. 
And if they hadn't stolen Merrick Garland's seat, we would just be complaining about it and not calling it the hypocrisy that it is. All right. Because, yeah, the hypocrisy angle is one that you can't you can't miss. It's so blatant and so disgusting. And they're trying to, like, like rewrite history. Well, I mean, look at how many of these Republican senators we have, like, on audio, on video, saying that if this happened under a Republican president, when, back in the Merrick Garland uh, nomination, that we would hold the Republican president to the same standard and right. we wouldn't have a vote. And they're also trying to, like, revise what the precedent is. Like, Mike Crapo of Idaho said that the Senate... Mike Crapo? That's... <laughs> Yeah, it's tempting to, to pronounce it that way. That's the way I uh, always pronounce it. I'm just going to keep doing that, too. He said the Senate followed precedent four years ago when they did this to Merrick Garland, which is an absolute Bullshit. lie. Absolute it lie. It was the first time in American history that the Senate refused to debate or vote on a SCOTUS nominee. If you want to vote him down, to have an up and down vote, tell America that this perfectly qualified jurist is not qualified for the Supreme Court. You know, and just some some scary statistics. You know, the Federalist Society has basically picked five of the nine justices, soon to be six. Yep. No organization should have that kind of power. Secondly, as you said at the beginning of this segment, this has been going on for decades. Since 1969, there have been 19 Scottish judges appointed. Okay. Okay. Four by Democrats. <sighs> and half of those were Obama, right? Half of the four were Obama, half, half of them were Clinton. How is that possible in 16 fucking years? It's, it, well, they stole one. Is right. one answer to the well, question. Well, they stole one, and they also stole a presidency with W, so. Yes. And they stole a presidency with W by packing the court with justices that would support bullshit arguments. Correct. And of those soon-to-be five justices that have been appointed since... Two thousand. All five of them were appointed by presidents, not elected by the popular vote. Right. Well, because they've only won one time since then, right? Right. All five of them. Yeah. So it's pretty staggering. We're we are in minority rule here. We're in minority rule, and they this is their agenda. You look at the the Texas ballot issue where they they have one ballot box for each county. They removed eleven ballot boxes from Harris County, which has four point seven million people. There's one. But what did Harris County do? They broke four hundred thousand votes in the first four days. Oh yeah, they lined up. My point is just this moved through the courts, and ultimately three Trump-appointed justices shot it down. They they basically ruled in favor of the GOP government of Texas, saying, "Oh, that's totally fair. Four point eight million people, one ballot box, not a problem." Right. It's it's absurd. And it's over absurd. an hour in transit time to get there. For, for some people. And people who think the courts are a fringe issue, they're not. We need a blue wave. And if we get the blue wave, even then, it's pretty unlikely that we will be able to counteract what the Supreme Court is going to do to our civil liberties going forward. And more importantly, Judson, so while we're on just the, the broad topic of the Supreme Court, and we'll get to the nominee herself in a moment. Sure. Roe v. Wade, Obergefell, the Affordable Care Act, th those are all important cases, but they're not the most important cases that go in front of the Supreme Court. The cases that are the most important are those cases that involve them consolidating and stealing power, right? Staying in minority rule. Sure. Voting rights cases, Citizens United. Gerrymandering. Though those issues around civil liberties are certainly important, they're almost distractions because they're consolidating and expanding their power such that they can stay in control and set the agenda for us no matter who gets elected. Yeah. It's just easier to motivate people with those sorts of things that have more direct impact on them, right? It's too bad. 
telling people that Roe v. Wade could be overturned gets people to come out and vote, whereas telling them this consolidation of minority power is going to occur is just harder to get people to understand and really act on. Let's hop off our Supreme Court soapbox just for a second to, to get to know this particular nominee. One thing I want to say before we talk about the nominee is if she's seated, and she almost certainly will be, COVID might be able to stop it. Possibly. Six of the nine justices will be Catholic. And Gorsuch was raised Catholic, so you could kind of count him as well. He's now Episcopalian. Episcopalian is Catholic light. I was raised Episcopalian. So, so almost almost seven judges will be Catholic. That is, to me, I find that terrifying personally. It's the exact opposite of what this country should be. Absolutely. You need a diversity of views, a diversity of religions, and no religions at all. That seeps into your character, it seeps into your identity, and it is certainly going to affect you professionally. It's going to affect your judgment. Your perspective, your background affects your judgment. It's true of everyone. It is. Everyone has their own biases. One thing that was really noticeable about the confirmation hearings is how little Democrats went after Judge Barrett for her extreme religious views. And let's be clear, she's not just a garden variety Catholic. She's not a cafeteria Catholic. She's, <laughs> she's not a C&E Catholic. Right. She's like Mel Gibson level uh, insane if not worse in terms of her catholicism and wait, wait is she anti-semitic too does she should she get drunk and get pulled over and yell about jews uh she has not okay if she does that would be a great story to cover though <laughs> it would be. Uh, i just want to promise you here at facts and friends while we understand why senate democrats were dancing around the issue of her radical religious beliefs we have zero reservations about attacking her religion less than zero really <laughs> that's what we're gonna do right now <laughs> first of all catholicism is a wacky cult religion just by itself right <laughs> they believe that you drink blood and eat flesh transubstantiation right. ladies Tran and gentlemen it isn't a metaphor that is not yeah. what catholics believe they believe you are drinking blood and eating the flesh of jesus christ it's disgusting okay <laughs> they are strictly anti-abortion they're supposed to be anti-capital punishment but that seems to be something that's far more loosely followed <laughs> Right. They're not just anti-abortion. They're anti-birth control. Good Catholics don't even use condoms or, or the pill. And Amy Coney Barrett was one of the first justices, I think, perhaps ever, who wouldn't speak to the privacy ruling that upheld uh, the right to contraception. She was one of the first who wouldn't even go that far. When the confirmation started, the Republicans were all over the Democrats for attacking her faith, which none of them did. Admittedly, they did in 2017, when she was uh, up for the appellate court position. Questioning how someone's faith will impact their decisions as a judge is fair game, I feel. Republicans have a narrative, though, that any questioning of someone's religion is you know, they have that narrative of it's persecution yeah christian persecution right that is complete bullshit we already said almost all seven of nine justices are christian there are two that are jewish yeah so there is no christian persecution like almost every single person in power is christian in this country at all levels of government it's almost impossible to be elected as a non-christian it's the biggest bullshit narrative and for some reason people buy it and it's absurd because because they've focused on this founding myth that we are founded on judeo-christian values whatever the fuck those are so amy coney barrett has had she has somewhat of a record and her record around religion and as it as it relates to her work as a judge is pretty scary in my opinion and more than just your opinion yeah i mean she told graduates of notre dame in 2016 that your legal career is but a means to an end this is a quote 
Your le- quote, your legal career is but a means to an end, and that end is building the kingdom of God. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? She's not kidding you. And she's, she's so she's a member of this people of praise sect within the Catholic Church. Tell us a little bit about that, Judson. I don't want to. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is from the Jesuit Review. A few weeks after her confirmation hearing, the New York Times published a story highlighting Miss Coney Barrett's connection to the people of praise. The article presented the group as a shadowy and mysterious organization. It reported that members of the group are assigned same-sex advisors who act as life coaches helping members discern important life choices. The article reported that male mentors are called heads and said that female mentors were called handmaids. Though it later noted that the term handmaid had been dropped by that point in favor of, quote, woman leader. I'd like to know what the timeline is there and <laughs> and if the handmaid's tale had to come out when they decided to Well, it's to apparently so. It. The people of praise became more widely known just as the handmaid's tale was adapted for television, Margaret Atwood's yeah. novel. At least one article in 2018 appeared in the Daily Mail made the connection between the people of praise, claiming that the group partly inspired the novel, but that's... Not accurate. Not, not not proven. Yeah. But I mean, they, they speak in tongues. Faith healing. They're definitely patriarchal. But And that, and that woman leader role right. is the highest job a woman can hold in their organization. Right. They, they're definitely there to prop up their men. And if they're totally above board and, and totally non-controversial, why did the cult scrub every mention of her from their website when she was nominated to the Supreme Court? She's gone. They erased her. Of course they did. Because they're a fucking cult. They're, they're a fucking scary cult. If Scientologists were about to get a seat on the fucking Supreme Court, they would erase that person's existence until right. they were confirmed to the Supreme Court. Also, she's a paid speaker five times for uh, an organization called the Blackstone Legal Fellowship. They're a summer program established to inspire, quote, a distinctly Christian worldview in every area of law. Oh, that's that's not legal. Oh, boy. right. right. It was it was founded to show students, quote, how God can use them as judges, law professors and practicing attorneys to help the door open for the spread of the gospel in America. She spoke for them five times. How can you give paid speeches for an organization like that and be qualified to be a Supreme Court justice? I'd argue that you're not. Anyone who would accept the nomination under the circumstances that we find ourselves in, that's, that Merrick Garland's seat was stolen, even farther away from the election than this seat has become available, and yet they're trying to fill this seat under these what, what essentially amounts to false pretenses. I think that's arguable. I think these... I, 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 I think her history is is far more damning than, than that well, oh, decision. I don't, I'm not saying it's the only reason. I'm just saying that anybody in this situation who accepts the nomination is by definition unqualified. Right. I mean, she's on record saying that she thinks Roe is wrongly decided. Yeah, she's unqualified for lots of reasons. And just one last thing on the on the Blackstone. There was a guy, Joe Murray, who's one of the first Blackstone fellows. He left, but he later recalled in a memoir that teachers told him and his classmates that they are part of an historic event and predicted that the inaugural class would one day be compared to the Constitutional Convention. Quote, just like the Greeks inside the Trojan horse, the idea seemed to be an attempt to carefully sneak these budding crystal legal warriors into the courts to change the culture through judicial opinion i find that disturbing and that's from that to me is open shut you're not qualified to sit on this court yep and many of her predecessors perhaps their (laughs) their record is not nearly as damning as hers in those areas in terms of their beholdence to their religion either sexual assault history is a little more sticky (laughs) (laughs) you're talking about bready booth yeah that's one of them so one other thing I want to talk about Barrett is, and we get into the hearing itself, is that she actually did tell a lie. Did she? Yes. That's not good. Senator Klobuchar, Judge Barrett, 
asked you earlier today, but did not receive an answer. Prior to your nomination, were you aware of President Trump's statements committing to nominate judges who will strike down the Affordable Care Act? And I'd appreciate a yes or no answer, please. Well, Senator Hess, I want to be very, very careful. I'm under oath. I, as I'm sitting here, I don't recall seeing those statements. But if, let's see, I don't recall seeing or hearing those statements. But I don't really know what context they were in. So I guess I can't really definitively give you a yes or no answer. What I would like to say is I don't recall hearing about or seeing such statements. We can question her motives all we want, and we will, and we do. <laughs> and we have. But one thing we don't question is that she is an. She, we don't question her intelligence, and we don't question her command of the law. I think she's unqualified to be a judge still, based on her experience. But she's. You're right. She's. A, she's intelligent, and I'm. I'm sure that she follows the news. And there's no way she's lying there by saying she doesn't recall if she knew a requirement of Trump because he said it so many times a requirement of Trump was that the judge would have to overturn Obamacare they'd have to get rid of Obamacare maybe she just has a really bad memory you know bullshit that she's definitely lying there she's absolutely 100% lying there and she doubled down on that lie and maybe and it's sort of like a 51st date sort of thing and she remembers nothing but what happened today <laughs> I mean, the GOP platform is very clear, and I'm sure she is a Republican. She knows what the GOP platform is. It says, quote, a Republican president will appoint judges who will reverse the long line of activist decisions, including Roe, Obergefell, Which and is the Obamacare cases. bullshit, because really what they're doing is just performing their activism in a way that they like, and as opposed to ways they don't like. Right. I'm not going to play the whole hearing, but I, I can play one answer to one question, and that'll pretty much cover almost all of her answers to all of the questions. <laughs> sure. Yeah. On the questions of law, however, I just, because I'm a sitting judge and because you can't answer questions without going through the judicial process, can't give answers to those very specific questions. So look, they call it the Ginsburg rule, whatever. It's not quite appropriate to call it that. Oh, one thing that turned my stomach is how often they tried to invoke RBG's name in the hearing. It's just so off-putting and so disgusting. I mean, her dying wish is that you don't fucking do what you're doing right now. Exactly. And the GOP put out t-shirts. Oh, fuck the, fuck, no, no, Notorious no. ACB, like, hours after RG, RBG died. It was just so disgusting. So I, I did want to make fun of her a little bit because she got a softball question from Ben Sass. <laughs> right, you did. <laughs> um, what are the five freedoms of the First Amendment? Speech, religion, press, assembly, speech, press, religion, assembly. I don't know. What am I missing? Re redress or protest. Okay. Petition for redress. <laughs> I mean, that's the eighth grade Right civics. to petition your government for the redress of grievances. It's so funny. And you uh, know what? I got a lot of grievances right now. <laughs> it's funny because at one point in the hearing, um, there was some like clearly like staged planned moment where one of the Republican senators asked her to hold up her notepad. Oh, yeah. yeah. She held it up and it was blank. It was blank, yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people said, maybe you should have been taking notes, Amy, when she got to that one. Think about this. Like most of her questions were like, avoiding answer or most of her answers i'm sorry were like mostly avoiding answering questions right what did she need notes for in the first place right 
What would she need notes to say? I'm sorry, I can't answer that in the specific because I would have to have all the facts in front of me and yada, 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 yada. I don't want to tell you my real thoughts. Oh, and, and oh, th- so there was also this dead giveaway. Listen to this. And I do want to be clear that I have never discriminated on the basis of sexual preference and would not ever discriminate on the basis of <laughs> sexual preference. Preference is wrong. Yeah. Oh, my God. Orientation. You don't say sexual preference unless you mean to, I yeah. think. Unless you're really uneducated and, and ignorant, right? Yes. Maisie Hirono called her out on it the next day. She, and yeah, she, she did. She claimed, listen to this. I certainly didn't mean and, you know, would never mean to use a term that would cause any offense in the LGBTQ community. So if I did, I greatly apologize for that. I simply meant to be referring to Obergefell's holding with respect to same-sex marriage. If you don't know that sexual preference is wrong then you're not qualified to rule on any same-sex issues whatsoever. (sighs) That's just fundamental. Like, if you think we we chose to be whatever our sexual identity is, then that is an orientation... <laughs> an orientation from which you're going to make decisions and make them wrongly because yeah. you you may have this grossly incorrect assumption. And, and despite all the information out there that's available to everyone right now, she still said sexual preference. Right. And I think she did it on purpose. I my my take is I think she did it on purpose. Probably. Um Pete Buttigieg, uh Mayor Pete, he did tweet, "My preference is that the winner of this presidential election should choose the next justice." Mine too, Pete. We agree. <laughs> we have the same preference. That is, it's not sexual per se. <laughs> It's not. Although it gets me a little hot. Right. We're just kind of going through the, the low lights now. <laughs> oh, no. There was this moment from, from Lady G. It's raining men. <laughs> Hallelujah, it's raining that's not, that's, that's not what he said. He, he whined about how much money his opponent got. We used to have Lady G on our show a lot. On we did. The last, on, the, on the old show, but yeah. he, hasn't, he hasn't been on. He's been um, busy, you know, COVID and... He has. So Lady G, who's Lindsey Graham, for those of you who don't know, and he's called that by his male prostitutes in the D.C. area, allegedly. Right. (laughs) Um, Someone is called that, and it could be him. Lady G made a remark that he later in a press conference had to um, angrily explain. And I'm going to play his explanation before I play the remark, okay? Okay, sure. If anybody was listening to who I am and what I said, you know, that it was with deep sarcasm that I suggested that some legislative body would want to yearn for the good old days of segregationism. Uh, I want to assure the people of South Carolina that statement was made with dripping sarcasm. I haven't heard the statement yet. I'm going to play it. I'm going to say up front, I don't believe Lindsey Graham can pull off dripping sarcasm. I don't, I prefer Lindsey Graham not be dripping anything. (laughs) That's Fair. And, and, I, and I bet those who uh, dubbed him Lady G would uh, would also concur. Uh, strongly, strongly agree. All right. So now I'm going to play the remark live or not live. But I'm going to play the remark as it live happened. For, it's, it's live for me, Tino. It's, it's live for me, too. <laughs> I'm going to play the remark as it happened. And you determine whether or not let's let's lower the bar. It doesn't have to be dripping with sarcasm. Is there any sarcasm? Can you tell at all that what he's saying is just not what he believes? Go right ahead. And one of the reasons you can say with confidence that you think Brown versus Board of Education is super precedent is that you're not aware of any effort to go back to the good old days of segregation by a legislative body. Is that correct? Did you hear it? The sarcasm? Yeah. No, no. There was no detectable sarcasm in that. And I want to be very clear. I'm pretty good at sarcasm. Right. I didn't hear anything. 
Yeah. You've been accused of dripping sometimes. I, I have I have been accused of that. My son has gotten in trouble for being sarcastic at school, and I'm pretty sure I know where he learned that, and it was not his mother. <laughs> yeah, you guys be the judge. Look, you you heard both. I, I think there's, there's no way on the planet that you could say that he meant that sarcastically. Lindsey Graham is disgusting. And finally, to wrap it up, folks, you've gotten to listen to... Some of the lowlights, low lights, non-answers uh, that, that happened. We spared you a lot of the pontificating on the right. I hate these things so much. Because a lot of, of the that. doubling down, a lot of doubling down on the fake precedents. That, it's that, political theater, said. as we have said previously at, at its, its finest. Finest? I, I hate this part of politics. It was a disgusting display. Most of the Democrats took the, the attack of talking about people who would suffer were Obamacare repealed. Um, Which is fine. I feel like they should have just all yielded their time to Kamala Harris and and just, you know, gotten out of the way and let her just brutally grill her for, you know, four hours. You know, her answer to the question about not recalling whether or not she knew that it's such a fucking giveaway it is and he even said it at the he even said it at the RNC in 2016 and she said I don't think I watched the RNC. (laughs) <laughs> you didn't even read a news report about it? Are you kidding me? Give me a break. These these are clearly lies. To be fair, a lot of us wanted to forget the RNC in 2016, so. <laughs> oh, for sure. Uh, it was, <laughs> and the one in 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty, the best is yet <laughs> to come. After all of that craziness, the disgusting feel of what is being done to the Supreme Court and by extension, the American people and our rights right now being rammed through when, frankly, we should be giving COVID relief to the millions upon millions of people that are struggling instead of this shit. If you really cared about the American people and the American people also, the majority of them want the next president to pick or the winner of the election to 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 pick the Supreme Court. Considering all of that, the grotesque political theater that we witnessed this week, this is how ranking member Dianne Feinstein of the Democratic Party, important to note here, had to sum up the proceedings. Di-Fi. This has been one of the best set of hearings that I've participated in. And I want to thank you for your fairness and the opportunity of going back and forth. It leaves one with a lot of hopes, a lot of questions, and even some ideas, perhaps some good bipartisan legislation we can put together to make this great country even better. So thank you thank so you. much for your leadership. What, was she in a different hearing? I don't know if she's in the same dimension <laughs> as we Did are. Did she just come from that alternate, alternate reality where, where Hillary Clinton won the 2016 election? <laughs> she needs to resign right now. Not just from that committee. She won't. Resign her Senate seat. I mean, that that is disgusting disgusting how can you maybe it was a well-run hearing i don't i didn't watch because like i said it's the political theater that i hate i really just want to have actual questions asked and answered and find out if this is a qualified nominee i don't give a shit who nominated them i want to know if they're qualified to sit in the supreme court she's not she'll get there anyway but that was a joke of a hearing it was and it's disgusting to me that someone so high up in Democratic leadership would basically write a commercial for Lindsey Graham's Senate campaign, which is a tight, hotly contested race. Go Jamie Harrison. And then hug him maskless. That was just the the COVID-tainted cherry on top. That's like suicidal at this point. In any event, let's just to sum up, we are fucked. All of us. We're we're, we're boofed. That means flatulence, Judson. That does not mean flatulence, Tina. PJ, 
Tobin, <laughs> Squee, and and one 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 last note about the Supreme Court. Listen, lifetime appointments are absurd. Yeah. They need term limits. The Supreme Court, the reason for lifetime appointments is that the Supreme Court was supposed to be an apolitical body. It is not. It is a political body. It's the most political body at this point, in my opinion. To put a bow on it, we're here for, for, we're here for a lot of reasons. We're here. <laughs> and by here, I mean, we're going to have a far right Supreme Court for several decades, maybe for the rest of my life. Unless it's conceivable. We just do something about it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just don't think the political will is there for that, but we'll see. Well, yeah, that race has not yet been run. We'll see. Yeah, it, it absolutely hasn't. But we're here because of what I think is a, a fairly meaningful contribution of the never Hillary people in 2016 who... Oh, we haven't forgotten about you, motherfuckers. We, we haven't forgotten about you. I, I still loathe you. Hey, Diane Feinstein, you're not helping our case with that shit definitely not you're not helping our case from the never hillary hillary people if you're going to sit there and say that shit after what we had just witnessed and what you just witnessed it was grotesque but we're here because of you never hillary people and from the bottom of my heart eat a dick eat a bowl of dicks we'll ship you a bag of dicks just send us your address give us a five-star review and send us your address and we will we will send you a bag of dicks so here's a present before i go Well, here we are again, Johnson. This has been like, I won't say dullest. There's been a lot of yelling. I don't think it's been dull at all. It's just been very serious. It's just down. This is just like bringing me down, man. You know, I thought our first show was kind of serious. This, this, I think this topped that one. Yeah, I think so. But hey, uh, is there any update on the John F. Kennedy Jr. announcement? It's quarter of midnight. You know, so. I, th- I thought it would be like all over Twitter and I don't see anything, man. I'm sorry. I, maybe huh. maybe he got busy. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> or, or got dead. Or got dead uh, years ago. 20 years ago. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, while we wait, because I'm sure it's coming in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> thank you all so much for listening to the show. Please help us out by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, but probably the biggest way to help is by letting your friends know about the show and asking them to subscribe. We can't stress enough how much that helps. Um, on social media, you can interact with the with this show on Facebook at Facts and Friends Facebook page or on Twitter at Facts and the letter N, friends, facts and friends. Uh, you can find me directly at Twitter at Uncle Tortilla. Judson, where can uh, they find you? I'm at at the fault in my arse. Uh, again, the letter N instead of and. At the fault in my arse. Okay. And finally, um, oh, I have a story. Oh, please. Your story. Tell us. I, so uh, we're recording a little bit later. Is it, than I, we- oh, wait, is it depressing? Because this is, this is the depressing show. So yeah, oh, yeah, totally depressing. Yeah. Oh, good, good, good. <laughs> Carry on then, sir. The floor is yours. Uh, so we're recording this a little bit later in the evening than we usually do because my son is in uh, a travel baseball league in a, on a travel baseball team, and they had a tournament today. So we're in our last game tonight. Okay. It's a six o'clock game. It's like dark out. Sure. Lights are on at the stadium at the field, and. It was a close game. This is a team we've played before. Uh, and we've known that the coach of this team is kind of an asshole. Like, we're talking about uh, 12 and under kids. These are 11 and 12-year-old uh, kids that are playing in this uh, in this league. Now, is is this coach a member of People of Praise? I think we know who he's voting for at the very least. <laughs> oh, okay. 
uh, we played him tonight, and the pitcher, they made a pitcher change. Actually, when my son was up to bat, they made a pitching change, uh, and the kid like immediately <laughs> hit my son in the arm. He's fine. Oh, wow. But the pitcher then threw several more balls to the next batter, and he was clearly frustrated and made some sort of motion or or like you know he couldn't believe that that was a ball and 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 the umpire like war gave him a warning like listen mm-hmm. you can't question my judgment here you know you need to go ahead and pitch and as soon as he started to give this kid a warning he wasn't throwing him out he wasn't ruling anybody out he wasn't you know giving him a free base he was just giving the pitcher a warning and the and the coach ran out of the dugout and was like these are 12 12 kid 12 year old kid you you can't talk to him like that and that's just that's just not appropriate and he's he's just 12 you got to just you know you talk to me about it you don't talk to him and he just kept going on and on and on and wouldn't let it go and the umpire eventually threw him out like literally threw the guy out of the game and the guy kept going he's walking off he, he remember he was so upset about the fact that he was talking to a 12 year old like that right mm-hmm. as he's leaving the field hasn't even gotten back to the dugout yet he's like you know what kiss my ass kiss my ass i'll fucking oh. I'll, it didn't say fucking he said i'll kill you oh my god as he's walking off the field and i i like i couldn't help myself i was like i thought i thought they were 12 year old kids man right like like what, yeah. how, how do you find that to be appropriate when the when the umpire couldn't just give him a Oh, like a warning. Right. And he wouldn't let it go all the way to the parking lot, so much so that the umpire threw the other coach out who had any insanity thing. So in the parking lot, did you get a, did you, did you catch a glimpse of this, this coach's truck? Cause I'm sure it was a truck. I'm, sh- I'm sure it was a truck. And no, I did not. I, I was actually concerned that he might be waiting in the parking lot for the umpire to come out and actually kill him and actually kill him. Yeah. <laughs> well, speaking of assholes, <laughs> have you heard of David Perdue? I am sadly familiar with David Perdue. I did once live in his state. Senator, Georgia. It was not my senator at the time, but I did live there. Yeah. He is in a race right now for his seat. (sighs) Yes, he is. He was at a Trump rally and had this to say. The most insidious thing that Chuck Schumer and Joe Biden are trying to perpetrate and Bernie and Elizabeth and Kamala or what Kamala or Kamala, 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 I don't know. Whatever. (sighs) Let's be clear. They're both senators. Right. Kamala Harris. Their colleagues. And Purdue. They are both senators. They work together. He knows what her fucking name is. He does. There is a level of respect that's required in the Senate. And I and I would hazard a guess that nearly none of his uh, Senate colleagues would were all too pleased with that. Disgusting. It's racism. Yeah. You are othering her by calling attention to the fact that she doesn't have what you consider to be a normal name. Well, at least he apologized, right? Afterward. I- I feel like, once again, you don't remember who the Republican Party is. What did he say? He didn't say anything. He had some flunky draft that draft a memo to say that he just mispronounced her name. Right. He didn't mean anything by it. Kamala, la, 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 la. oh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Bullshit. Fuck mala, you. Mala, mala, mala. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Fuck you, Purdue. You know, most people on the right, at least the, the, the Trump cronies probably thought it was hilarious and they're glad he did it and they want him to keep doing it and that's why he did it because he was playing to that crowd right i think they should censure him on the uh, on the floor of the senate agreed they won't oh no no they've got one job in the but senate. they should yeah they've got one job that's right and it's not helping the american people it's, it's not passing a relief fund that's been sitting on their desk for like 100 days no yeah. it's ramming an extreme far-right religious radical onto the supreme court to replace you think she'll speak in tongues when she gives her dissents i don't to replace ruth bader ginsburg <laughs> on the supreme court <sighs> sorry this has been a tough show folks but this is the world we live in um we're really hoping in a few weeks and there's the, there's only one way to get out of the world we live in right now and that's the fucking vote, vote. 
vote. Wear a mask. Wear a mask and vote. Social distance. Vote. Don't go to big gatherings. Vote. Wash your damn hands and wear a mask. And vote. (laughs) Hopefully we'll have good news in a few weeks, but uh, most likely it is going to be another 2020 shitstorm that will dwarf all other (laughs) shitstorms that have come before it. That that is this election is going to be a bumpy fucking ride. That'd be on par. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll see you next week, everybody. Yeah, take care. Take care. Bye bye. Eighty cases under Chief Justice Roberts that have these characteristics. One, they were decided five to four by a bare majority. Two, the five to four majority was partisan in the sense that not one Democratic appointee joined the five. And the last characteristic of them is that there is an identifiable Republican donor interest in those cases, and in every single case, that donor interest won. It was an 80 to zero, five to four partisan ransacking.